Hello there and welcome along to the podcast Sport and Life. Looking forward to this conversation with Luke Sheriff, former rugby player turned businessman with Proverb Skincare in particular. Fascinating conversation. Thanks first and foremost to you for being here listening to the podcast and thank you to the chief sponsors who've supported us now for two and a half years. Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV who are specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations. Check out Bang Olufsen Cheltenham online. It is B&O underscore Cheltenham on social media. Thank you also for Cytoplan for their ongoing support of the podcast, food-based supplements that we've been taking for 20 plus years under the stewardship of my father, Dr. Mark Draper, who's also worked as a consultant with Cytoplan. And through that association, I'm very pleased to say that you can benefit from a discount with Cytoplan, 30% off your first order of supplements, 10% thereafter with the code at checkout, Draper10R. So my last name, D-R-A-P-E-R, all capital letters, the numerals one zero and the capital letter R. And also don't forget, we are so intent on helping you enjoy life. We have teamed up with the Whole Man Academy and arranged for some lucky listeners to get a 100% free mentoring session with Anthony Asprey, the founder of the Whole Man Academy, who's been on the podcast back in the spring. Check out that episode. And he says that by the end of the session, you'll be much clearer on how to tackle any issues or challenges you're going through, especially if you ever feel stuck or not exactly where you want to be in life. Anthony charges good money for these usually, but he's given away free. And to book your complimentary session, use the link in our show notes, only five available per month. Right, let's get on to the podcast with the wonderful Luke Sheriff, rugby player turned cosmetics founder with Proverb Skincare. Great guy. Here he is. Okay, take three with Luke Sheriff. We've had one abandoned Zoom call that the audio didn't work on, and now our uh, postal lady, Rose, has just interrupted it with a package, but we are, we are recording now, so barring the house falling down or a plane crashing into anything, I think we're, we're good to go. Welcome along, Luke. Good to see you. Really good to be here. It's nice to do it in person, actually. We, uh, our, our Zoom attempt was enjoyable to, to meet for the first time, but we've you know, connected since then, so it's actually, as I've felt through a lot of the changes since lockdown, getting back to seeing people is, is really nice. Yeah, how have you found that on the business side Cause with Proverb? Because presumably it was all Zoom stuff during lockdown, but do you feel that building a business, it, it's more meaningful to, to meet in person? I think we were exceptionally lucky that technology existed. Yeah. I mean, I said to a few people, imagine if you didn't have Zoom, you know, and that, that instance of lockdown occurred. Like, I don't really know where we would have gone as a business. We were supplying with one of our business a lot of spas and then we were you know, sort of looking mm. at, um, at that point, bricks and mortar retail. I mean, those sort of things almost got turned off overnight. So, you know, that digital you know, ability to go and sell stuff online and therefore continue to build those relationships. Is, yeah, you wonder yeah. if they would have locked down with, without the digital world or what the ramifications would have been because obviously they've been severe anyway, but without that ability to stay connected, it would have been, I suppose there'd been a lot of old landline phone calls from our childhood, wouldn't it? Or faxes. Like that. Yeah, faxes. Funny story about that and our mortgage. But anyway, the, the, yeah, that is, that is something I think some people maybe took for granted or maybe hopefully the government did breathe a sigh relief and being okay, there's an option here to, mm. to work remotely. Um, we've got a very small team. We've got you know, six people in the office and we have a very flexible working um, situation um, so that's that's continued since lockdown um, but you know talking about earlier about 
rugby and, and building those relationships, there is a human connection that exists when you meet someone that is different. And I studied at university with human sciences when I was at Oxford and it's become something that's become quite interesting to think that without realising, having studied human sciences, having done a degree in epidemiology, you know, now running businesses which is about, you know, making connections. It's something that I wouldn't say I was necessarily very skilled at, but I sort of recognise and find interesting the importance of having children now, making friends and, mm. you know, it's, it's again, like online space is very useful, I think, for, you know, bridging gaps and, you know, opening up things that you might not necessarily have looked or thought about, but, mm. you know, and it may be a personal thing, like at the end of the day, the, the people you get to meet in person, I'm just going to Bath after this, you know, for yeah. a, a meeting with a spa that, again, I haven't seen the new building since it was renovated in lockdown. Like, those things give you a different perspective. And I think you build, you build like, into a relationship. You know, I think the best example someone gave me is, and, the, and probably this morning is, is a good example of that, is meetings are very efficient on Zoom and you can get a lot done and you mm. can connect a lot of people and there's definitely a place and I think going forward that's going to be great because it's going to allow opportunities for follow-ups and things like exactly. that like quick catch-ups but what everyone says is that five or ten minutes before a meeting and that five or ten minutes after a meeting when you ask about someone's family or where you discuss yeah. you know, other things outside of the, the topic of the meeting is where you build a relationship you know, that's where friendships potentially are built and, and teams certainly you know, certainly bigger than ours, we're quite lucky. We've got a small team who have known each other pre-lockdown. So, But if you're trying to build a team in the middle of lockdown with just Zoom, I'd imagine that was quite challenging. Yeah, you get a sense of the person, don't you? And even now in other forms of communication with text messages, WhatsApps and things like that, and even things like LinkedIn, people, strange, assume a sort of, you know, they'll, they'll ask you for something off the bat when you've not even met them. And you're like, but if someone had met you a few times, you think, oh, I know that person. Yeah, I'd like to help them. But it's a, but someone that's an avatar on an online thing. It's, it's, it's an interesting thing about connection and having that familiarity of being in person. And like you say, knowing something about the context of their life, it, it makes a difference. Certainly. And I think, I mean, I, we've got young children, so I'm a little bit off topic, but you know we've got young children and you're sort of seeing them as i alluded to earlier like making friendships and building relationships and you know it's a great opportunity for people that aren't so confident to go mm. online and express themselves in different ways and and tiktok for all its <laughs> your ups and downs it, you know i think it's a really social a really great platform because it's just full of like, good energy right yeah um and actually it doesn't have as much of the interaction that maybe causes the issues on facebook and instagram but at the same time the, you know, we had a barbecue at our house yesterday and there were 20 kids running around with like 10 adults and you're like there's a moment of like that kind of feels magic yeah. yeah that kind of feels like uncreatable online I'm I'm not a big Metaverse fan I'm probably yeah. late down the line of it that's what that 20 and 10 30, that's almost like the tribe was the tribe 40 was it or something like that I think in the, the old human tribes that must be in our DNA something like that yeah big, big gathering exactly so and that again we could discuss my human evolution um, <laughs> degree but yeah that is essentially what shifted humans beyond um, yeah most other even mammals is the group size once we learn to cooperate in groups bigger than 50 mm. we then were able to achieve things in terms of buildings and yeah. infrastructure and things. And those require those interactions that we just discussed that, you know, in person you can sense if someone is upset, you mm. know, even from just like the way they're sitting or, you know, yeah. and a lot of that. Flickers of their eyes or something yeah, like that. Yeah, a lot of yeah. that, you know, which instinctively over millions of years we've evolved an instinct to pick up. Even if we don't know we're doing it, I think most people react yeah. in a certain way. And 
you you can't always see that, especially if that off. Yeah, on Zoom, people are on yeah, off video or whatever. And you're straight down the barrel on Zoom, whereas normally in normal conversations, you know, you and I have got good eye contact, but yeah. we wouldn't be looking straight at each other no. for, I mean, for the, an hour. I mean, straight. the camera on my Mac doesn't look in the right direction, so it looks like I'm not looking at anyone just because <laughs> yeah. it's a really weird place. Yeah, really weird. I need, maybe need a better camera. So um, it's been an interesting time, and, and coming out of it, has, has certainly we've learned a lot of things from lockdown. Our, our business has become more digital, which has been mm. very... Um, beneficial but actually again in the sort of the physical sense of things proverb is is now going back to some of its roots which is combining you know my background in sport and you know you're looking about human health from the perspective of your gal we put in that's our tagline but and also Kirsty's expertise in skincare and treatments mm. and so our, you know our, our big push alongside the products this year is um the treatments we put into gyms and spas so Cowley was just around where, where, yeah. where we sit um, a few others I can't mention yet, but Wentworth has just taken on our assisted stretch concept. So taking movement. good for you as a golf fan, Wentworth, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. It's still the most difficult place to get, in, even if you're a supplier. But um, <laughs> yeah, basically, it's an idea that we could all do from moving more, and we could all benefit from moving more. Yes. Back to our point of you know going and seeing people, but yeah, physical movement is sort of the underpinning of human health, whether you realise it or not. Like the ability to feel confident to walk down the road. You know, mm. to the post office if you're uh, you know, retired, like my mum and dad, like where all for you and I still like to stay fit. I know you've had a knee operation recently. That, yeah, trying to get a bit better actually now. Yeah, yeah. Like being limited around, yeah. in movement in any way is actually does limit you mentally and, mm. and has a knock on effect. So, assisted stretch is, is a good way of whether you are, you know, getting back to movement or whether you're a high performing athlete of maintaining range. And so, Kirsty's watched our physios over all the years manipulate you know, big people mm. you know, who aren't easy to stretch and learn their techniques and sort of taken that to the combine the gym and spa. Because a lot of hotels have great gyms and great spas. So, how would you define what Proverb's doing then? Because you've got the refillable yeah. deodorant, which I guess is the main product people associate with it, yeah. but then you're doing what a range of, of services as well beyond yeah. the products. I, I mean, really, it was, it was an idea of producing a brand for people that, you know, you know, are in a position to take their health a bit more seriously and along with that, take the health of the planet seriously. Because mm -hmm. I think the more people, you know, align with their own health, they look around them and they see the impact that, mm -hmm. you know, the planets, you know, we're having on the planet. Yeah. Um, so that's sort of the mission is, you know, to produce products that help people improve their health and the planet. Um, and spas are a good measure of that in the sense that we have a background in spa, um, well-being is a very commonly used word and, yeah. and I don't have a good or a better definition than anyone else but yeah I think it's it feeling good is that yeah, I, think it, yeah. I was just gonna say I think it's something that leads to feeling to happiness right and mm. um and there's loads of different elements that I was, we were talking earlier about what I do for those parts of my life to try and you know make myself feel better or whatever but they're not necessarily what work for everyone else so you go into a, a spa they will have lots of different options you know there might mm. be a mannequin and pedicure there might be yoga there might be a gym yeah, you know, we just have an idea that movement is sort of missing in some of that, and so, and you go in and what set up sh workshops there. Well, or so ideas? we train their team so that essentially the the treatment can be done either in a gym space on a stretch pod or yeah. on a on a couch as a normal treatment would be done. Um, but it can be anything from like fifteen minutes to an hour and a half. It's just trying to take individuals' needs and going, what do you want out of this? Are you a golfer? Are you stiff in certain areas? Yeah. This is what we would do to motivate and get quite it's not a gimmick but get a quite quick reaction mm. it's not physio we're not you know helping someone come back from knee operation mm. that's not what this is but it's like 
are you struggling with something? You know, do you sit at a desk too long? You know, is your lower lumbar struggling? You know, for most people, yeah, probably. probably yeah. You know, are you a tennis player? And you, you know, your shoulder or elbow is, is a bit stiff. It's just kind of they get. We do a range of motion test at the beginning and a range of motion test at the end, and the idea is to demonstrate that in a short period you can you feel better and move better. Um, and a, and a lot of as I say, a lot of big hotels have got great gyms and great spas, but don't necessarily communicate mm. how the two work together. And I think that's one of the things that well-being suffers from in the sense it's such a big title and anything from you know, digital well-being to going to a spa to how you eat is all well-being right so yeah. when someone says there's like a four trillion dollar well-being <laughs> market so it's because it covers you know a bit like sustainability, ended, yeah. a bit like sustainability the other part of our business you can tag that onto most things there's not yeah. many adverts you see on tv now that don't mention sustainability and often the same is with well-being so i think what we're conscious of is being an option within that you know without being you know, saying that with anything, this is the mm. only thing that leads to well-being. The challenge people have is what to pick from the menu, as it were. Yeah. Of things that make you feel better. So you've got, so they've got trained people in the spa who will be trained in pedicures yeah. already and, and things like that. But exactly. you go in and what, just connect them with the, the sport, the, the physios in the gym and, and how that may, may interact. Yeah, give them a skill set that allows people that come in for different reasons. So yeah, people are just coming in for a, a massage treatment or lying on a couch and having a pedicure. That's, well done yeah. in lots of places but a lot of people don't you know, feel comfortable in that space or they actually want to get something different out of coming to the gym i don't know whether your membership at cali i'm sure you're yeah it's brilliant yeah. but yeah you know it's you yeah you can I've never had a pedicure I, you, uh, I read somewhere that you had in a rugby, rugby oh, yeah, paper yeah. online yeah. and a spray tan that was a awkward <laughs> moment where kirsty assured me that i'd look fine until <laughs> i got on the pitch and was browner than gavin henson um <laughs> that's an achievement yeah. yeah exactly so it's yeah it's about um giving people you know tools to improve their, their human health and for us we have a skill which is product development and the sustainability of producing that is a big part of it and then the treatments is an area Kirsty that has expertise in of you know offering something that isn't already offered in a space mm. in the sparring gym which is well-being it's not um necessarily something that's never been done before but it's just in a space that is more accessible than it has been so yeah i i just think the more of these options that people have and the less ego of people have behind them and brands yeah. particularly like it's easy to think that what you have is you know the best and only thing and Proverbs stands for a statement of truth honesty so we're often talking and people are like but you're talking about another brand being good and I'm like well yeah because there are other brands that do stuff way <laughs> better than we do so yeah. it's not in my sense if you're truly concerned about someone's well-being you should be allowing them to find their own journey. And I think for some people that's uncomfortable because some people like to be told what to do or feel like they've... Mm. Peloton's a great example. Like people get very tribal about Peloton and mm. it's a great product and a great brand, but it's not the only way to sleep no. at home. No. Yeah, not for certain. It's a, it's a very expensive way to do it. Exactly. It, some people need accountability of someone yelling at them from a, yeah. a studio in New York or whatever it, whatever it might be. Mm. Uh, it's, it's interesting that because you, your idea is that other companies are doing... That it's not completely unique, but what is unique, I suppose, is the combination of you and Kirsty and what you're doing. And you're not trying to compare yourself because we're recording a podcast now. I think there's about two million podcasts globally, but I think there's sometimes a confusion that you need to have a, a completely unique invention or something, isn't there, yeah. to, to do anything? Whereas actually, it's it's what you bring to it, and also your motivation and passion. We talked about that as we say before we started recording, and and your passion is is definitely well-being and, and people feeling good. Absolutely, I mean. I- I, I do a blog occasionally called, you know, Life Fueled, and it's kind of that sense of people often say to me, like, why are you so happy? Mm. And and I and I can I can tell you that the moment it changed, like, I was very fortunate. I have a sort of very 
straightforward childhood. I went to a great school. I was lucky enough to go to Oxford. I played in a varsity match, you know. Mm. I didn't think about this stuff, right? You, well, how did that rank? Just out of interest, the varsity match, Oxford against Cambridge, in terms of the magnitude of, of things you've done? Uh, fairly unique. Yeah. That is true. It's big in Twickenham, isn't it? It's massive. Yeah, so I mean, what they've done well is learn over the years mm. where their position is. So, you know, back 30 years ago, you know, it was one of the big events at Twickenham before Christmas. There were no Autumn Internationals. There was yeah. a big contingency from, you know, London that would come and watch it. And Oxford and Cambridge had a place. And I think in the boat race, they still are way mm. more unique because of the length of the race. But the rugby landscape has changed. Academies have come. People don't go through the university system. Oxford and Cambridge didn't, weren't able to recruit the sort of ex or pre-internationals that they could back then. And we were, transi- we were in a transition period where, you know, I think out of our Oxford side, six or seven people went on to professional rugby, mm. which is a pretty good a number. Good, yeah. But now it... You know, it's really only people coming out of professional rugby that would go as a postgrad to Oxford, and so it, it, they've moved it to April. Basically, they've yeah. recognised that you know actually the autumn internationals in that period is heavily stacked with yeah so post Six Nations. So, yeah, post Six Nations, more family orientated. You know, it's still a, it's still lots of people that want to see you know those universities, you know, and the, and the reputation that comes with them. Do, do you feel lucky, just incidentally, that you came along in in that era in terms of the rounded person that you seem to be? I mean, literally, and couldn't have hit the nail on the head more in the regard of when people ask me what professional rugby was like, or or more more specifically, would I want my children to do that? I can't really talk to what exists now. Like as I said, went to a good school, was lucky enough to get into Oxford at a period where you know there were really no academies, so mm-hmm. I wasn't choosing rugby over sport. You know, I was at a place that for you know all the other fun stuff that went on. The rugby was pretty good standard and was seen in a light that got me a professional contract, right? I never had yeah. to make tough choices to end up... Sort of rolled into it. Yeah, rolled into playing at the Harlequins with Will Greenwood and <laughs> Wood and Jason Leonard, you know, who went on, two of them went on to win World Cups and I was there during that period. The, the, the lack of professionalism that came with that is probably the one thing that I would trade, you know. Mm. We were learning to be professionals, you know, there was a lot of you know, unknowns in having a full squad of professionals. Because Will Greenwood was worked in finance, didn't he? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, Jason was a tradesman. I mean, mm. yeah, they, yeah, they, like, they were in effort. He worked for NCB car parks. Will, like in London, you know. So that's that's they're the generation that went on to win the World Cup. So that's an amazing progression, and I got to go along with that. Whereas now, you're in an academy at 13. It's more competitive. You're having to make different choices about your education. So this all lends back to the point I was talking about. It's just like I was really lucky to have a life, you know, that went very smoothly, and I, and I would almost ask myself now, why, why wouldn't I have been happy, right? And obviously, there's lots of things, but you know, things happened, and my Stop. best friend died in Iraq, and and we lost some friends in a, like Nicky Duncan at Quinns at the age of 21. Wow. You know, they, they certainly give you some perspective, and then you get older. And you do you remember a, that? Every, do you remember those people every day to try and yeah, give yeah. you that? I mean, literally, yeah, yeah. I mean, literally, yeah. So that's one of those things that sort of sticks with you. And and there was there was like five or six people, way too young. I mean, everyone, you know, mm. every life lost is too early. But you know, we're talking in their twenties. Yeah, because we have a sort of subconscious program that we run that we're like. Um, so and so lived in my family to seventy eight, so I've kind of got that. And if I live a bit better, I could get to eighty two or something. But so you, know, true, you don't, yeah. you don't know for sure. You don't yeah. know. And I mean, and these were really young people, so that was that was emotionally you know, t- difficult time. And then you get older and you have more responsibilities. And what you realize is, 
that you have to work on whether you want to call it well-being or happiness you, you have to work on it mm. right? and and i think a lot of people see working on physical health and having a training program because they've yeah, either done it or they've seen someone do it as as a you know direct correlation it's like i train i get stronger i eat this way i have a different outcome you know and i don't know if anyone and i'm sure they are now but certainly in our generation at school no one was talking about how you work on your mind to achieve an outcome and that might be achieve something at work or it might be i want to be a happier person i want to be Mm. a more engaging person we were talking about alcohol i want to be able to go into a bar and have a conversation without having a drink because i want the confidence to do that yeah like everything, it takes training, but I don't think people think of their minds in that way. And so uh, through just circumstances and having been happy and then having a period of like reflection and things, you know, not going great, but mm. you know, we talk in our house, we don't talk about bad in our house, right? Like if, if there's something wrong, we say there's something average. Yeah. Because something bad in our house is, you know, de- you know it's something we, like... We, we talk a lot thing. about talking about things, but... Do you have a humour in your house? Because I heard Steve Thompson actually on some of rugby at the weekend talking about obviously having early onset dementia, yeah. part of the England squad in 2003 and said he can't remember his kids' names sometimes. But yeah. they all make fun of him in his house, joke about it. Yeah. He said that, that levity is, is important. Because I think sometimes we talk about talking about things almost like we have to sit solemnly and, and have a very yeah. emotional conversation. But sometimes it's just, just being around people and, yeah. and, and having fun. No, exactly. So most of the, most luckily, most of the stuff in our house which is average is, is just sort of Mm. dealt with in like you say a quite a relaxed way and you know the children luckily have you know been been pretty i should say pretty easy they have been pretty easy considering <laughs> i think business is harder than children but i'm sure there'll be plenty of people that disagree with that the, the um, reason i ask you about the rounded person thing is because i've interviewed rugby players now have been more in the professional solid area like say the academy system yeah. they haven't gone to university and i think a they've missed out on an education at university which may provide them with a, a career option but be the social side of university meeting lots of different people it feels like a lot of them have just known rugby and rugby people and then perhaps it can happen anytime can't it but 25 30 35 whenever they retire from the professional game or, or it restricts them and we know that it's going through difficult times at the moment Worcester Warriors up the road from here particularly financially suddenly what do you do then it's more of a identity transition but perhaps you had a bit of fluidity there anyway because you'd gone through different stages of your life before becoming a player yeah I did used to worry about some of the, the youngsters in regard to like, I was lucky enough to get you know, two degrees as it happened not that I've ended up specifically using them although I, I they still draw on the experience but you know friend, other friends of ours did you know law or whatever and then got to play rugby and in the back of their mind I think it does allow a, a sense of like having a second option um not freedom that, to just yeah. throw it throw it yeah. at rugby yeah, you know, because got... it might not be the the last thing you end up being good at, right? And mm. I think if you're too young into something and that's all you ever focus on, you think that being good at that is the only thing that is relevant in the world. And I can see why that's helpful in the moment of trying to outcompete people and you know develop a career in a sport or anything where you need to be single-minded. Mm. But I think probably the best example I would give is Justin Harrison recently, World yeah. Cup runner-up for yeah. Australia. Um, they re- so what happened is he won, or he came second in the World <laughs> Cup, um, and they give you a silver medal. And he was so disillusioned that he threw it in the Sydney Harbour. <laughs> this is how many years ago? 20? 2015, was it? Or? No, 2003. 2003, yeah. Oh, so yeah, sorry. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, ago, yeah, 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 of course, yeah. So he's thrown it in the river, like, hasn't thought anything of it at the time. Because he's just in that moment of rugby's all that counts. I didn't win the World Cup. I missed an opportunity. Mm. I, I failed, essentially. That would be how he felt. Yeah. Wilkinson's drop goal, yeah. Right. And then, 
over the years, he's had kids and he's retold the story and they look up to him as someone that got to the final of a World Cup, you yeah. know, and lost to you know, one of the greatest teams with a drop goal, you know, and, and all they want to hear about is the story and they want to see the medal and he hasn't got it. Wow. And so there are a few remade the medal and it gives me goosebumps thinking about it. The, the, they remade the medal and presented it to him. It was probably only a month ago. And they presented it to him on the when the England team were touring out there, and he totally broke down. Then they got his kids on the Zoom, and he was in to yeah. This is a guy that is renowned for being like tough and mm. just totally broke down because he recognised his achievement of 19 years ago was something to be proud of. And in the context of all the other things he's done in his life, had children, moved on, it's something to be massively proud of. And I think that perspective they talk about in golf. But um, you know that level of perspective is is quite relevant, and so having other areas that you've been successful, yeah. failures in, so at university, have you failed exams, retaking exactly. them, whatever it might be, or, and, or relationships. And segueing into running your own business, that's probably the one useful thing that I've been able to take into it, which mm. is seeing the positives in what we've achieved, even if it's never really achieving your goal yet. Mm. Um, and then the difference in a business is no one sets that goal. So, what do you do? You have a sort of overarching goal, or is it just progressive that it changes every time you um, sit down? Well, like I say, we have a, a mission to, like, in in the case of Proverb, to change the way that people think about products, like wanting people to buy products because they're better for their health and the planet, and that is a combination of the ingredients we choose and the packaging, and mm -hmm. that is in itself always evolving. Um, but again, I don't have a financial number because I've kind of learned over the years that if I compare, or is it a number of? stores that you're in or something like that or pres yeah. presents I don't know how you No, I mean yeah. behind the scenes we have you know a target for every six months for a certain number of spas we want to get into and the number of you know online customers mm. we want to recruit so that is a, a measure but they're made up by us right when you go into a sporting environment someone else has set the bar someone else has you know you either need to get selected for the first team or when you're in the first team you decide you want to win yeah. the premiership you want to make playoffs or whatever yeah those is. things yeah. are already there and that is is a much easier you know environment to be in in lots of ways obviously it's very competitive whereas when you set out on your own business you're like well who's setting the goals and then you fall into a trap which is sort of what i was saying is you fall into a trap of using someone else's measure of success as yours mm. so you look at another competitor or oh, they've got a million subscribers or yeah you know they're in five different countries or whatever it may or be in my industry they're hosting match of the day so you feel right. inferior doing sky sports or whatever yeah it's, well, it's, it's crazy right yeah but it's actually crazy and but actually, can, yeah but you can do that if totally, you're careful. we all yeah. do that yeah. right and so i think like that example of justin harrison and also thinking about my own experiences i can look back and i have the same thing where i'm like i didn't play for england at rugby so mm. my whole career was a failure so from the moment i retired i was it was like it was a failure but then, I, you know, you get perspective and you get time and I look back and I realise that I not only didn't necessarily set the right goals, but I also wasn't willing to make certain sacrifices that maybe would have led to that. And I can't, mm. I can't certainly say that. Difficulty with some goals is whether you, how much control you have over well, them, don't you, as well, if you've got gatekeepers or you've got other spas who you're trying to get into who may not want you. Or it's a difficult dynamic, isn't it? How so, you... so shortly after like retiring, as well, I was out for dinner with some friends and two of them ended up having the argument for me. Both of <laughs> them called Chris. Both, one was a barrister, yeah, and they were basically having a debate. One was on the side of Luke just didn't try hard enough, mm. and one was on the side of Luke just didn't have the luck go his way, whether it be the right coach turn up or yeah. whatever. And actually, having other people <laughs> debate it kind of does make you realise that you aren't in control of as much as you think you are. That's a difficult thing sometimes in life with those those outcomes, and one that I remember vividly because I was doing uh, announcing at the London Excel in the 2012 Olympics when Anthony Joshua was boxing. 
Now, he had the final against an Italian, a seasoned Italian called Roberto Camarelli. Camarelli did really well in that final, came back at Joshua, and there was a, a sort of a dissension in the Italian ranks about the score. It had to be a score back. The judges evaluated it. And I had to announce, ultimately, Joshua won. Now, I don't know whether that was a political decision. It's in London, whatever, or how it was scored. I'm not a boxing judge, so I don't know the, the technicalities, particularly of amateur boxing. But that crossroads moment, he'll be defined as an Olympic champion, two-time world champion. Maybe he'll come back again after the latest defeat. I don't know. and be a three-time world champion. But it's a sliding doors moment where we'll say he's a success but could have easily have ended up with a silver medal, which isn't failure, but it's a different thing in terms of becoming this household name that, that he was. Certainly, and, and, I, and I don't think you're ever going to change, nor maybe should you, the people in that moment driving for success, changing their parameters, right? I yeah. mean, you know, I know that Alison Felix, watching some listening stuff about her experience with Knight, which is sort of mind-blowing, you know, but like she's had a 20-year career, most successful athlete, like, but maybe in the end she feels more passionately that her biggest achievement in life is overcoming the issue of women you know, being able to have children and be mm. professional athletes and all the challenges that come with that yeah. and, and giving them a voice and maybe at the end of it that'll be a greater success for her but in the moment I think as an athlete you're always going to be focusing on that goal that someone else has set and that's going to be your measure of success and I don't think we should change that necessarily but what we should build around them going back to the rugby point is a degree of ability to one think about other things and two skill yourself up so that when that time comes you're more confident to go mm. into the rest of your life because it will come right yeah so you know whether there's good enough programs for you know rugby players or any press athlete to be learning things outside of the sport and developing those skills that's something that i'd be more concerned about i wouldn't be telling them not to focus on their rugby and make that the pinnacle of their intent at that point in their life but also there's a lot of evidence just that if you're doing other stuff and you're broadening horizons it brings some of that back to the game mm. and you have better perspective to be able to get over defeat right you mm. lose at the weekend you know it doesn't mean that the season's over right or whatever that may be and i'm sure liverpool are in a situation where you know somebody says to me the other day like a tottenham fans like that. They're, they're like oh well liverpool have already lost the season <laughs> Actually, for real, like that's madness. Well, it's just the points. The, the points total that Man City put up has been frightening. But yeah, I know. I think they're. I think they're not actually out of it now. They won nine 0 at the weekend. At the time but, speaking, but you need so. some perspective of you know what losing really yeah. is or what failure really is, and, and actually, it's not finite always. Um, it's, it's what you can control, and I suppose in in rugby terms, I'm thinking in terms of measuring rather than results, your performance. It's probably more tangible, I guess, than business because you can measure what you can bench press, what you weighed, you can oh, measure your speed, how many tackles, yeah, or how many drops, you know, how many yeah. times drop the ball or whatever it might be. You can think I'm getting better, but in business, what are the the sort of metrics that you measure yourself on in terms of your development? Because you've been doing it for a decade now. Yeah, yeah, or more nearly. I, um, well, as I said, over that comes with confidence, right? You even now totally underconfident in certain areas of what we do mm. and so especially with the digital growth that we've had to you know, develop into um so again i think one of the things is like exactly as you said you can only control a certain number of things and you're not simon sinek is a really great guy called simon sinek who talks about building teams mm. and, and yeah i've seen a few of he's done a ted talk hasn't yeah he? yeah really good he he's the big breakout of him was talking about the core of a business apple yeah, I think I've seen him explain why millennials uh, struggle or something in yeah. failure and setbacks, yeah. But one of the things that he was very clear about is you're not on the same playing field. Now, of course, sports teams have different budgets, but that's very well documented. Mm. Whereas in the business world, you have no idea where that competitor came from. You have no idea what backing they had, what experience they've got, what their motivations are, you know, how they make their product. You know, yet you perceive them as a direct competition. Mm. 
Now, the consumer, right? So that's where you do have to sort of compete. But actually, in lots of other ways, it's not even the same thing. And how much, often. how difficult is that balance? Because you, you mentioned that other person thing. And I've been reading some of the Stoic stuff with Marcus Aurelius going back to the Roman emperors. It's don't think about what other people are doing, what they're saying or thinking. Think yeah. about what you control. Because you're saying that in a marketplace like that, you know, you look at other people in your career path and say, oh, so-and-so, this broadcaster's doing X, Y, Z. Should yeah. I do that? Should I do more of this? For you, it's it could cloud your vision couldn't it if you start adopting practices that other companies that are selling cosmetics are doing I mean look at Roy McElroy who went through a six month period of trying to hit the ball further because Bryson DeChambeau was hitting the ball further oh yeah it's a good point game collapsed and then he turned around to himself and went I'm Roy McElroy. like I'm one of the greatest to play this game why am I copying a guy that's barely one of me you know not no disrespect but he was doing his thing and actually to his credit he was doing his thing without being deterred by anyone else saying this is mad it will never last he just stuck to his guns like why rory of all people yeah so rory mcelroy can get distracted from a winning formula by you know somebody else in the in the environment and competitive yeah saying oh no you've got to hit the ball further and this is the way to win golf tournaments well you can see what happens to all of us yeah but you might take some nuggets somewhere on the line but you have to put it through a bit of a distillation process don't you yeah and we and, and Kirsty won't mind me saying I think she struggles more from the being distracted by other people mm. because I've been in competitive environments where that competitor is right next to you like yeah. you're in the same team as person trying to take so you're worried about place. like other flankers trying to get into the England team like Lewis Moody yeah but it was, yeah. Well, you're, first of all you're worried about the same in the career yeah. squad trying to get the spot and yeah. you have to learn to live with that person next to you be friends with them yeah and then at the end of the day someone gets picked someone doesn't and you, you do looking back, learn to trust what you're doing a bit more. Is that a powerful lesson from sport, that ability to compete and be on friendly terms with someone? I, I think it. I think it's a useful thing for life. Like, I'm, I'm a big kindness person. Like, I'm yeah. big like, into, like, teaching my children about kindness. Like, I can want to beat that person and, and yet still be friends with them. And that rugby is a very good example of that because it's such a physical, close sport mm. and you can go out on a training pitch competing for the same sport, knocking chunks out of each other, often fighting on the training pitch. And then you, <laughs> but then you come off and sit and have lunch together and you know, be bantering and it'll be like gone like that. Because you recognise that for the whole thing to work, you know, you've all got to get on and that's what a team is and not everyone. And that's why the best managers and the best clubs manage to get a whole squad because yeah. throughout a season you get injury, you get loss of form. You know, you've got to believe that you can be in that first team, even if you're third choice at the beginning. And likewise, if you're the first choice, you've got to know that that's not a given. Mm. You've got to keep working for it. And I don't know, like, I don't, I try not to have too many, like, direct synergies between, like, business and, and sporting world, because I think the sports world in some ways is very contained. Like, yeah. there are some great lessons like that, like working with someone that you're also competing with, you know, being kind to each other. You know, when you play against someone that you're physically trying to be at something afterwards, you can come off and have a hug and be friends. Like, that's a great lesson. Yeah, but boxers often embrace after a yeah, tough fight. But, but that small world of professional sport that is funded by someone that you don't have to worry about where the money comes from, you know, hopefully if it's going well, you know, you're just doing your job, is actually a world away from, like, the business mm. world. And I often think that, you know, business leaders and managers who manage hundreds of people with real world problems like you know paying the bills and mm. you know how they you know something happened to their children they've got to go home for like that is way more challenging than just worrying that your 25 year old mate next door is you know trying to get the same spot as you i think and i think this is i don't know if it's a conversation or even an opinion anyone else has but i think sports teams could learn a lot more 
from like management and how you know, good managers run teams in the real world when mm-hmm. they're dealing with like people's real problems, real life changing things, and having to still deliver goals to a business. You know, a friend of ours runs the Audi dealership in in Derby where we live and he's got 100 staff and they all have their own challenges and, and yeah. he's still got to meet the goal that set him from you know, head office but with that team and that, that when I listen to the stories of what he deals with and I think and I hear back to what we used to like pander to or think was a bad day at the office for rugby players I'm like no it's not the same at yeah. the moment it's important to you and of course you're passionate about it so and I, I loved every minute of it but I think I probably always going back to your point about being rounded I probably always had a feeling that <laughs> It wouldn't be the most significant thing I did in my life for the rest of the world. And that kind of sounds like the thing because my <laughs> wife would look at me and go, like, who do you think you are? Like, <laughs> what do you think you're going to change the world? And I was like, I don't know. And I, but and just I, playing a part in yeah, a, po- a positive, but, a positive yeah, impression. But when, yeah. I, when I now think about that, I now realize, like you said, that even if it's one person, and that's a really overused expression, but like actually, even if I do a blog and one person says, that made me feel better today, or we produce a product that reduces the amount of plastic in the world by one bottle. That's mm. quite hard yeah. Like to get your head around how big an impact it is, but it is a positive impact. Right? Part of a general sowing a seed idea yeah. that germinates. In the and I'd like to think from the 15 or 11 years I played fresh rugby, I'm going to work for 40. Mm. I'd like to think that the 40 years will have a largely more positive impact <laughs> than when I played rugby. Which is but that, must be, that is a weird thing, isn't it? If you move on, if I moved on from Sky Sports, did something different, it would be like people would be more interested in the broadcasting for Sky Sports than they would be whatever you do. I don't know what you know what that might be, but it, it, it's a, you have to sort of internalise that and, and reflect upon yourself into, rather than worry about other people's headlines. Are yeah. Like professional rugby player, like you say, is over by 32. Yeah. You don't want to be defined by that for the rest of your life. And yet at the same time, I love the fact that it opens up conversations and yeah. it's it comes... Luckily for rugby in general, I think it comes with a nice assumption that I'm worth having a chat with, or yeah. even if it's just a friend knows a friend. Like there's no you've had experience. Yeah, as we said at the beginning, like you know that building relationships. You know, I've had some experience of that. You know, in that environment, and and you can take that forward, and it's a nice thing to mention. Like, yeah, I'm not the first to bring it up, but yeah, you know, when it comes up in conversation, people are interested in it because they know about it, and they've and it comes with. It seemed like it was a golden era as well. I think for looking from the outside in that went professional 96 you came in that first wave of yeah you know bespoke professionals but you did have a a rounded look at it and you were characters because i always think about the players from our youth like will carling and brian moore and brian moore was a barrister or was he a lawyer or whatever and it's he ran the nail bar as well did did did. they had a lot of you know and it shines through a little bit i don't bemoan modern players it's not their fault but there is it's a more sort of anodyne environment in in modern sport at well, elite level i think it comes with the pressure and the money that comes with it i know mm. the rugby's going through a slight change but like you know it becomes more professional there's more sponsorship money there's more demand they need to focus more on that but i, I certainly don't think they should ever lose sight of the other things that are going on around them mm. and and drawing from those experiences and getting those experiences like whether it's work experience or whether it's just meeting other people like I think they genuinely will be able to come back to what they do with a more rounded approach and, and be more successful. But like you said, like if you realise and learn why you do something and you're passionate about it, it often leads to success and that probably leads to money. Yeah. But you know, we were talking about before, like why you do things. I don't do it for money. Mm. I never played rugby for money. The first time I got offered a contract and I would have taken it for the money instead of the playing, uh, this is the first time I, I said no, right? And mm. that's maybe 
more difficult if you're... And you weren't a father at that point, were you? Cause that, uh, yeah, just... Oh, were you? Because yeah, that, that's yeah. brave, because that complicates it a little bit, doesn't yeah. it? Suddenly you're... Well, and it, it was the first time that the business paid all of our wages and all of our bills, so that was quite a, a big step. And that was Kirsty's business at the time. Yeah, exactly. So I, you know, I, I, I stepped away from that without a huge amount of certainty. But likewise, I can see why if you're now in a career at rugby and earning way more than we did you know, 20 years ago, that that itself might be hard to leave because you've got commitments and you've got mortgage and actually... The financial golf. Yeah. To, to, to do something to that away, suddenly yeah. you're going back down the ladder to, yeah. I don't know, half the salary, third exactly. of the salary, whatever it might and that, be. So that's a different challenge. So, um, yeah, there's no right answer. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that I was in a mindset to be able to make that decision because it feels always feels now that I left on my terms. Yeah. Despite what I don't think I did achieve and, and the regrets I have in terms of some of the choices I made, to, the choice to finish has never felt like the wrong choice. And I think if you talk to people, Leon Lloyd has a great business called Switch to Play, which is helping people do exactly what you just said, which is transition from an identity mm. of a professional elite athlete, and he does it across all sports, to you know, a, a day job for him, but you know, that doesn't have the recognition. And it's like bereavement. You go yeah. through a bereavement curve. And I was lucky to avoid most of that because I was already working in the business. I made the choice to leave. I really, you know, the identity that came with what we were doing and starting. And entrepreneur is an identity, right? Mm. And crazy as it might sound, it's it's risen in. It's got always, yeah, it's very kind of. Um, on tra- it's more glamorous. Yeah. Well, it's more trendy now than it maybe was more when we did it, right? Yeah, it was and, like the sort of wheeler dealer business person when we were younger, yeah, wasn't yeah, it? Exactly. it was the fight, yeah, well, yeah, the likes of, you know, Steve Jobs and people, all these people that started something in their garage, so Apple being slightly more successful. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it's nice that that has a. A place and and a recognition, but um, kudos, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I left, I left, but I again, I had a lot of those things to allow me to leave. What would you What would you recommend to professional athletes, knowing particularly athletes who financially will need a second career? Mm. What do you do? Do you focus on the playing while you're doing it, and then give yourself a year to retrain, or do you train whilst you're playing? And how do you divide your your energy and attention? One, thing I would, one piece of advice I'll be happy to give is don't be told that outside experiences and out, doing stuff outside is a detriment to your performance. Mm. Like, yeah, especially in a team environment. You know, if you're an individual, and I'm not being an individual athlete, like a golfer, but even like talking and watching and listening to golf, like they recognize it's a team sport now, whether mm. it be their personal trainer or their agent or the person that organize their travel and golfers just seem to practice all the time don't yeah. they? i think it's kind of but, but even within that like i would say don't be told by anyone that if you go and do stuff outside rugby is is my experience or anything mm. that it's going to have a detrimental effect obviously what i'm talking about but particularly is, rugby because it's not a long you know golfers yeah, could play for 50 but it's exactly. a different thing and with injuries now and people getting bigger mm. and when i say that obviously going and doing things that might negatively impact it like drinking and yeah. you know, stuff like that fine but i'm talking about if you're going to like pursue something do a degree exactly like a degree or get some work experience or do some networking or set up your own business and i think the best example that is saracens and i'm not going to get into the <laughs> the, the reality <laughs> controversy of what was what was right or wrong they got punished so that that's done and dusted but the idea of supporting players to run businesses outside of you know rugby to give them a future and an experience of you yeah. know responsibility it's and all the things that compassionate come move in some well, ways it led to a lot of what was successful because they were binding together people in groups and run off and doing stuff outside rugby that was keeping them fresh for rugby and that's mm. the thing about sport is as much as people think they want to play sport every day and now not playing much sport i would 
if you said to me, could I do anything right now, I'd be going to play sport. Like, you know, the flip side is when I was playing sport every day, you'd get home tired, you'd have to have a nap. Yeah. You know, it takes a lot of your energy, right? So actually to have something to refresh yourself mentally to come home and that's what I had with Kirsty's business to talk about ideas and come up with what we're going to do can you overthink if you're thinking, sitting there yes. thinking about Saturday's yeah. game for five totally. days yeah so it has a double edged sword not only are you distracting yourself from things that you can overthink it's also giving you a chance to meet new people invigorate yourself they were doing this 25 years ago in Australia and the Super 12s right and I don't mm-hmm. know whether they still manage that now with the extra pressure that's come but yeah I would say just don't don't be told it's a negative. Of course, like you can mismanage your time, but largely... Yeah. You're not talking about staying up to one in the morning or whatever, no. doing cramming. Yeah. You're talking exactly. about doing... Exactly. I'm just fitting the something afternoons. in that gives you a chance to, to think about other stuff, refresh your mind, meet new people, and you will, without realising it, bring that back. And, and when you asked me a question earlier about, you know, how where does the Oxford Cambridge advice match rank in my experience? Well, as a pure rugby experience, yeah, not as highly mm. as playing in the Hong Kong Sevens or playing in the Heineken Cup at Twickenham in front of 70,000 people against Munster, right? Yeah. You know, those things instantly jump out as you as you know, feel like the pinnacle of you know, you know intensity and experience. But if you ask me about the people I got to spend time with and the conversations we had and the, the roundedness of that experience, it was way more enjoyable because mm-hmm. the, as soon as we got off the pitch, the conversation was about what essay they had to write this week or <laughs> you know something you know off the wall, yeah. Whether Alanis Morissette's um, ironic was actually ironic. Yeah, yeah. or oh, the definition of ironic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. We had those sort of discussions. Not that we didn't, yeah. rugby, but actually a lot of people would just disappear off their own way or whatever. Whereas, you know, we, we would spend a bit more time off the pitch together and, mm. and discussing things that weren't just rugby. So, yeah, I think I, I was lucky not to have to make the choice, though, is what I have to be honest about. It's like I, I didn't, as we said, I didn't have to make the choice between one or the other. It sort of mm. was always part of my life, and the two seemed to go together really well. And then coming out the other side was easy. But how, how brave was it to go full time working with your wife? The dynamics of, of that relationship, or had it been something again that you sort of built up incrementally so get, that you yeah, got used to it? Exactly right. It didn't feel like all or nothing. I mean, it, probably looking back, it financially it was, but it certainly wasn't from a personality or working together point of view. I mean, mm. we'd been I'd been helping out with the business for a couple of years. Um, we'd figured that. I mean, I even applied for jobs in that period, like the Foreign Office and places. Really? Yeah, and got offered jobs. So was that not based on the human evolution? I uh, know that was the... just just based on thinking about what I might want to be involved in. Yeah. Um, but when the job offer was on the table and the alternative was work with Kirsty, it was no alternative. It was like, this is... So she offered you the job formally? Was that... Well, yeah, I mean, she, we basically had to, yeah. I mean, it was, wasn't as <laughs> Did big. Did you interview? Well, as you know, I had, one, I had a job offer from DEFRA on the table and, ah, and okay. the alternative was working with Kirsty. So if she hadn't wanted it, she could have quite happily sent me off to, to get a job. And, and, and likewise, I had to turn something down to, to, to actually or formally commit to working together. So... So that was a, a moment. I don't, don't want to give away any personal secrets, but how do you distinguish between your personal relationship, the kids, and the professional? Is there time today you talk about it? You delineate what you're doing, how you do it? Somebody on another podcast, somebody said, would you recommend working with your wife yeah. to someone? And I said, no. And Kirsty looked at me and was like, what are you saying? And I was like, what I'm saying is I wouldn't recommend that to someone else because yeah. I just think that everyone's relationships are different or whatever. Whatever it is about the way we work together, there is no need for delineation. Mm. And I think that's probably what works best for us. As in, because we're 50-50 in everything, whoever's at home with the kids is at home with the kids. Whoever's mm. at work is picking up the slack at work. You know, if we're together, we do try 
not to bring it home in terms of Do you know intensity. what times, if you got like, you do Monday mornings at home, she does Monday yeah, mornings, yeah. is, it, is yeah. that set in stone for exactly. routine? So, yeah. so what we try and do is, there's not actually many times where we're together with the kids, as an example, where we need to talk about work. Mm. Yeah, we leave that until they're in bed. But as soon as they're in bed, we start talking about working. Okay. And I think the, the one thing that has worked, which probably doesn't is, there hasn't, not to get too personal, but there hasn't been a need to like, oh, well, we haven't carved out enough time to go on a date to, yeah. to be close like that because whatever works we just like being together okay and and we have enough so you wouldn't have like a week we don't talk about work on Saturday yeah, or something like that there's no rules yeah it's just kind of like do you know what we don't talk about it in front of the kids is, is basically the rule like we yeah. try and delimit you know, those things so that we're not impacting you know bringing stress home or whatever yeah um, but like I said because of the 50-50 nature one of us is probably with them you know if we're all together it's probably a Saturday afternoon and there's no need to talk about work right so so the work, so you wouldn't be, if you were looking after kids, you wouldn't be on email where she no, would be and things yeah, like that. Exactly. So, it's, so we're trying, that's, yeah. that's one thing. I try and do whatever I'm doing 100%. Yes. And, and I think, That's a problem, that's a big, I don't know if you found that, I found that a challenge huge. in modern life. Oh, and I think a lot of people have, my daughter's very good at regulating that, like, daddy, put your phone down, yeah. all that kind of stuff, because you realise, a friend of mine said, you effectively can work all the time in a way, if you're oh, thinking yeah. about work and you're getting messages. Yeah. It's, it's, that is, I think, the biggest challenge that the people of the future mm. honestly face in terms of, being able to focus and stick to one thing and not be distracted and mm. and therefore feel good about it because you get better at it because you're doing the same thing on repeat. But if, carving that time, like my daughter's trying to learn to do an aerial, which is no handy cartwheels. Okay. It's on my visualization board and we probably get to it once a week. It's half an hour. Yeah. We probably only get to it once a week, right? And, and so she's got lots of stuff going on. It's, it's distracting. Awesome. How old is she? 12. Like you have to get her off her phone to come and do it. And that's not mm. that she doesn't want to do the aerial more than the phone. It's just... Do you, how big a problem are phones, Jeremy? I was speaking to a professional footballer. I won't name his name or, or suggest who he plays for yesterday, but he's a guy that's been on the podcast and we keep conversations. He's moved to a new club at a higher level, but he was talking about some of the players being on their phone for screen time for seven hours a day. Yeah. And he said, I think it becomes a challenge for them to get game plans into their heads because there's yeah. so much information that, not necessarily educational information, but just social media, yeah. WhatsApp, whatever it is being thrown at them. It's We're having the exact same conversation yesterday. And I think as a simple takeaway, it is the amount of information that young people have not even expected to absorb, mm. but are absorbing. Yeah. I mean, literally, like whether it be watching TikTok and getting news about Ukraine or, you know, new products or just whatever it is, it is constant. Like, mm. There is so much of it. And I think that is a detriment to human well-being. Like we are good at assimilating lots of information but there comes a point where it's crippling yeah and kills you know, creativity as well doesn't it you need yeah, a bit like so that, off. that's that's your point like i try and i'm not great at it but i've got better at it there are times again where i try and do only one thing and that's like with the kids i try and focus on the kids like if kirsty and i aren't working we yeah. try and have a nice time but then there are other times where i recognize that if i'm at my if i'm at my desk working there will be seven things going on at once there'll mm. be someone in the warehouse asking a question I'll, you know, I'll be messaging you, yeah. whatever it may be. And, and then I, if you go on to message me, suddenly you notice another message that's exactly. then taking you further yeah, yeah. away from where you were going. But those things I've, 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 I'm, we come from a generation, and I can say that, like we're old enough to remember yeah. having no... Phone your friend, is, is Dan there please? Yeah. Can he go? Yeah. Having, having not too many distractions, now having lots. And I feel like we're a good generation to learn the balance yeah. of, there are times when I need to be doing seven things at once. And I just have to be, and I'm fine with that. And I've got the skill to do that. But what I have to be able to do is not get addicted to that feeling of thinking that's productive. Mm. Cause actually there's other things 
that need to be done, like setting up, like we're setting up for our new product, our first manufacturing line. Yeah. So it's the first time we'll fill and make some of our own products. Brilliant. Which is really exciting, which is the refillable body wash, which follows on from the refillable cool. deodorant. Oh, cool. Which is really exciting. So I don't know when this podcast comes out, but at the end of September, we're going to launch something that's going to Yeah, be, we'll come out trumping it out this end of this week. Yeah. It's going to be pretty unique. So keep an eye out for Proverb and our, our unique refillable body wash. But we've had to create our own manufacturing line well to do that i i had to go to work when the kids were away at seven o'clock at night for three hours yeah. leave my phone in another room and only focus on because we're talking about health and safety a very mm. precise thing you cannot be distracted while you're doing that yeah so imagine you, trying to write a dissertation at the moment it'd be with mobile yeah. phone it'd be incredible but a lot of stuff you do you think you can do at the same time as something else and be and it may be the case but like do you do stuff, everything you end up doing everything to about 50 percent, don't you i yeah. think or or less maybe <laughs> yeah, and sometimes it's it's necessary enough to get that done that 50 percent is good enough hmm. and then when you're doing some stuff you really should think no if i don't give this 100 percent i'm either someone you know something might go badly wrong out you know i'm manufacturing i might fall over yeah. in, in a week's time because i haven't said it out right or more soft skill i'm not really paying my kids enough attention mm. and that's a shame because that's a cumulative thing that and you're not going to see them they're not going to be there forever because they're going to leave home and do you feel that pressure? I feel that pressure with my little girl, actually. I feel it. I feel the sense that as an adult, you can coast in time, but then you look at a kid and it's quite an urgency reminder because each week they've grown an inch or whatever. There's yeah. different, and their personalities are blossoming. They're going through a rapid state of change. And it, yeah. Well, keeps- until you have kids, every year is just like, well, I'm, I'm whatever, I'm a year older. You don't really keep track. And then they are literally a measure of time because yeah. you know your kid's age and you, again, roughly know when they're going to leave home, you know, if they mm. choose that and... And therefore, you do have that sort of ticking clock, which is it's not a bad reminder. A bit like I remind myself of people that still aren't here. Unfortunately, I also remind myself when I'm with them, like this won't be forever. We were, we were re-watching the Titanic the other night, actually. It's a funny, but it, it made us think that the people there were having the time of their lives, you know, six hours before yeah. they've sunk. And you think, actually, you never know when it's going to end. And not in a maudling way, but just in a way of seizing the day. Yeah, I mean, I think the best example is the Big C, the podcast, the lady mm. that... Just passed away. Rachel Blandon, yeah. the lady more recently. Yeah, yeah. I worked yeah. with Rachel actually at the BBC I'm before. Yeah, I mean, I mean, her whole reason detriment in the end was to continue to make the most out mm. every day in the face of something, you know, in the end terminal, which is, which is an amazing ability. Amazing. Yeah. So if if someone like in that position, and that's the irony, right? If someone in that position, you know, with you know so much going on in their life, can still put the message out there that you want to make the most out of every day, I kind of feel like we could all take a moment and. And do a bit better. And I think Except, accepting death is part of a way of embracing life in a in a way. Isn't yeah, it, I think it's, it's the it's the one thing that as a culture we've kind of gone away from because nobody wants to talk about bad stuff. But it's mm. not necessarily a bad thing if you're celebrating. No, because it can make you achieved in that time, and it makes you more urgent, more dynamic in decisions yeah. sometimes, doesn't it? And you're not just letting another five years roll by. Yeah. So at the, at the end, if if proverb. And we've said this out loud, like if Proverb forced bigger businesses like Unilever or someone mm. else to change the way they package products and they end up being the biggest player in the market and, you know. What, what are the packaging that, keys for Proverb? What are the, the ingredients that you insist upon or the Well, so the, ingredient, the ingredient choice is, is from our experience of other brands that we've made is really about choosing natural, organic where possible ingredients that have a proven result because people buy a proven result. So it's nice to have natural organic from a sustainability in the way it's produced mm. point of view but the consumers also want a recognizable measurable result this is proven to what proven to moisturize for or, eight yeah. hours or exactly or it's proven to like reduce lactate in the muscles whatever it may be we're choosing in that product um 
so that's part, an important part of the message that's, that's developed in terms of being natural and organic and, and being grown in a certain way I think is great and people are conscious and we are of what you put on yourself mm. so the whole journey started very briefly when I was at Quinn's and a guy called Phil Rich came along and started talking about body wash and like how you can absorb stuff and it affects your endocrine system and your performance and back then in 2006 most people were just like no Whole Foods wasn't Link, even in London. Links Africa and that was about yeah, it. Yeah, Whole Foods wasn't even in London, right? So that's my side of it, is linking about how do I improve my performance or not negatively impact it. And so that's why we choose ingredients that don't have a negative impact, but also have to have some element of performance. Yeah. But Kirsty, her expertise is formulating products and, and, and bringing the whole thing together. But packaging has just become a given now. You have to think about the impact you have because it seems to me counterintuitive to only worry about your own health mm. and not think about the rubbish or the impact that is you're it choosing. cardboard better than plastic is it well so, yeah or glass yes. yeah and again glass you, expensive yeah you fall into a, a, a whole podcast in itself, no sure but the route we're going down which is mainly based around the press the way that product is dealt with in recycling so plastic is not bad in mm. itself taken to the right recycling plant handed to the right person dealt with in the right way it's very recyclable and therefore a loop technology that can yeah. can be quite beneficial. Obviously, you throw it on the ground and it takes a thousand years to biodegrade or whatever the number might be, yeah. or it goes becomes microplastic in the sea. It's very bad. Mm-hmm. So if you're if you take the base assumption that you know you can't guarantee it's going to be recycled, you, you might not be in a county, local council, or even a country where they do it well enough. Paper is less toxic when it biodegrades, even. Mm. I mean, some paper with ink on is still toxic, but it's less detrimental than... It goes more quickly. Yeah. And so, in essence, our deodorant comes wrapped in paper. Our body wash will be a paper pouch, which is like the first time it's been done. So you'll be able to actually compost in the garden the packaging, right? Because at the end of the day, people are busy and if they don't know what bin to put it in or it gets, you know left in the wrong place well there's a bin strike I think in Scotland yeah. at the moment yeah. you just you kind of have to in a sense make it as easy for the consumer as possible to make the decision and, and the idea is well actually you're going to buy something in packaging that is is ultimately if, by the way uh, compostable and, and therefore you don't have to think as much about it because even if you end up even if you end up putting it in a bin mm. in landfill it's going to decompose better the next thing Mm. And that sounds like a really sort of. It sounds like a really defeatist. But it's getting like, better, edging better. Yeah, it's, it sounds really defeatist to say, "Well, the worst case scenario is it, you know, ends up in landfill." But actually, you've got to live in the real world, and and not everyone washes their recycling like I do and takes the label off and puts it in the bin because mm. not everyone does. No, and I try hard, and even I don't do it every time. So people are busy. Ultimately, our our our, our decision in the end was. Consumers want it to be as easy and as efficient as whatever the alternative is. Mm. So if they're walking into Boots and buying, you know, two pound body wash off the shelf because it's easy and convenient, or throwing it in their Amazon shop, then we need to be competitive. And price will always be a challenge because if you're producing something sustainably, there's a differential in price. But also, in terms of the way they throw it away, they, the way they do it, you know, there will be people that drive to the local. You know, health food store and fill up their own bottle mm-hmm. which I recommend and our spas will hopefully have, end up having the same yeah. ability to refill products for their regular customers using our products and that is a great way of doing it but again people buy online people expect it to be delivered to their door so what mm. do we want ultimately for something to arrive at their door that when you buy a refill of our body wash it's basically all paper and natural product mm-hmm. and so for the person using it they're putting stuff on that's healthy and not going to impact their themselves it washes down the drain and it's 
not doing any damage to the environment and the packaging goes in the compost and in the end you know, theoretically can become the ingredients that make the body wash i mean that's that's brilliant well it's, just, but it's if, if you if you heard of an app called yucca because my wife got that recently and into a new app tell me and it's detail you scan products we've basically had to clear out half our bathroom you scan products and it tells you about the toxicity of those ingredients things like that the dangers whether brilliant. there's an alternate and i you know, I, I said to her, well, I don't know the science background of this when she got it and started using it, but apparently it's people in France have originated this idea and it just basically breaks down what's in there. Um, it, does that sound like a good thing to you? Yeah, brilliant. There's one in America called the EWG. Yeah. Very similar thing. There's one in Canada. Um, I think it's I think it's a great idea to give consumers like, the education because I think that's part of the problem. Where do you find the yeah. information and how do you know whether it's, it's healthy or whatever? I think there's another piece of technology that's coming in. Um, so most products have a barcode mm. but in the future they're transitioning to a qr code so you get like instead of like just 1d like a number when you scan it you get onto a mini website yeah and then it can teach you about how to recycle that product or where it came from so it's just another layer of information that helps because i think getting information in people's hands is key because yeah. a lot of people don't know a lot of stuff when i talk to them about you know when you say is plastic bad and i'm like i don't think it's as bad as everyone says i'm like well, what do you mean i'm like well you know, I think you, people think about in your body as well, don't they? It's microplastics yeah, in your system and things. Exactly. So, and and ultimately, you know, not everyone's going to know everything. So you do have to make it as simple for them as possible. But there's, it's definitely great that there's these abilities for people to you know, find the information clearly. And it's arresting as well because you might know subconsciously some of these things aren't good. But if you see it written down by in, in scientific language that this is toxic, yeah. then actually you think, oh, hang on, maybe I shouldn't put this on my body and wash my arms with it and, exactly. and, under my armpits. But how, I mean, I just wonder how your sense of it, and obviously not naming products, but how much damage to people's health has the cosmetics industry done over the last century or so? Uh, yeah. I think I think the only, the only I mean it's something I mean something I mean the average woman I think puts something like eight or absorbs something like eight or ten pounds of products a year. So and that, I, I mean that you know, so, yeah. So there's a it's a lot right. As in your skin is the biggest organ in the body. Mm-hmm. You do absorb stuff. You know nicotine patches work for a reason. Like you know yeah, it's porous. We don't we think of our skin yeah, almost as like a, a sort complete of leather rabbit. cover. It's, yeah. yeah, it's not. And it's a big organ. And between suntan lotion and cosmetics and shampoo. You put a lot yeah, of stuff on suntan it. suntan lotion was a big one, actually, with the better change of suntan lotion. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, um, I, yeah, I just think, ultimately, if there is an alternative that you feel comfortable is is trying to be better, then it just makes sense to try it. Because I'm not going to say that the other one is definitely going to be bad for you, but, like, there's enough evidence that aluminium isn't, isn't a great thing to mm. spray in your armpit. You know, so if there's an alternative, I would just choose the alternative. And so I, there is there is no measure I give you. I mean, Johnson Johnson got sued for a number of millions, if not billions, over tampon yeah. powder, right? Mm. Um, so there are instances of that of that happening. And but I don't want to be a scaremonger. I just want to say, listen, if you're in a position to make a better choice for your health and the planet, there are alternatives out there. And that just takes a little bit of thinking yeah. about that choice. And and not everyone can make that choice, and that's the challenge, right? It's a bit like yeah. food. Not everyone can. Is it, it is is it better not to have anything if it, if it's not if you can't afford the right product or yeah. it's difficult isn't it? That exactly because you know that's why deodorant's an interesting one because it's <clears throat> so many people use it you feel more confident when you know you're not going to smell <laughs> it feels like more of a necessity than eye yeah. cream because you're worried about the bags on your eyes right yeah which again for you and being on TV might be a necessity but for someone else might not so again you're into I like, probably what? should be but I haven't thought too much about it but yeah you're what's right. it, what is necessity right yeah um so yeah if, and there are will be people that and consumerism away. is constantly telling us things are needed yeah. that's the, the whole 
yeah, game, so game. without getting into whether that's right or wrong, we, we have had the debate in our office many times, should we even be a product company? Mm. Should we even be producing any packaging and any product? Like, is that not completely counter? But you're, prov- a, you, a, you, we have to live in this world and make an income and B, you're providing a, a product that you believe is, is healthier and to, you know, demonstrably proven is healthier than other products. That's it, right? It's ultimately consumerism is not going away. People's desire to look, feel better is not going away. Yeah. We just need to be an alternative that says, listen, you can you can do it in a different way. And yes. hopefully that is enough for people to start making behavioural changes. And not by, you know, <laughs> family member of mine, I won't, won't say their name, but has literally about three bathrooms full of endless products and just think actually that's consumerism gone wild because yeah. I think QVC is involved but it's just yeah. you know, it's seduced yeah. into every week buying a new product so it's interesting exactly. but so people 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 should have a choice and people should be able to buy things to feel better because that's the world we live in and yeah you know much as I studied Neanderthals and there's an argument for the first essay I ever wrote at university saying like were hunter-gatherers the, the, ha- the last truly happy humans Right. Mm. Yeah, because, they, they, they because agriculturists more. forgot what it was like to be hunted. Yeah. That is, that's the yeah. basis of that. Is yeah, that? They, they, there was enough land, food on the land to just pick it when you needed it. They mm. had, they lived in Africa. It was warm. They had sh- a shelter of a cave. They had enough spare time because the the food was plentiful. less of us, weren't there as well? They had enough spare time to enjoy it, have a party around the fire. You know, have they had culture? Mm. There was happiness in the way that we think of human happiness, but none of the other pressures. They're well, bigger and stronger, weren't they, than the the sort of first farmers because they had more disease living with livestock yeah, things like that didn't have as much as good nutrition right mm. but we're not going to turn back <laughs> no, no. a million years or 500 it's still, it's funny you feel that in the woods sometimes you've got that cooling don't you it's strange when you're there yeah. you, there's something you plug into that, that history I and think. yet and yet going back to the beginning talking about well-being go for a walk in the wood mm. like you will feel better yeah and, it, and it's we free. did yesterday brilliant and it's free and it's the thing that we did for millennia before now so you know, what are your other health tips, exercise-wise? And we've talked about, and you're not sort of, um, I guess, evangelical about it, but about not having caffeine and, and much alcohol. You don't drink drink alcohol often. What are your health your health fundamentals? I think the biggest one that's missing, you mentioned, is sleep. Mm. I think the people I've listened to over the last five years talk about the things that impact health. You know, a balanced diet, exercise, the people you surround yourself with, reducing stress. None of these things have changed really how people approach those the pressures on them that affect our ability to do them yeah have definitely shifted we talk about the phone the phone's a classic example yeah whereas sleep has never been talked about quite in the same way and i think you'll find in the next five years people will really get behind the other and and learn more about mm. how important that is matthew walker's a big sort yeah. of uh i guess instigator of that isn't he from yeah. the university of I, berkeley i believe i love yeah. his book pro- i love his podcast and I, i've been to listen to a sleep specialist at lanzerhoff and and, and and my takeaway is it's it's the distraction that stops you from doing these things and sleep's the one that's impacted most right? mm. so you think about like you just said like you have two or three glasses of wine casually every evening and you don't realise how poorly that might be affecting your sleep Even yeah I had half a glass of wine last night red wine I hadn't drunk for a week or so and actually but I'd listened to a podcast from Andrew Huberman from Stanford University talking about the disruptive effects on sleep. So I don't know whether it's psychosomatic, I was waking myself up thinking I'm not going to sleep well. But he was saying that, yeah, any alcohol affects your quality of sleep. You're not getting a good night's sleep off the back of it. Which yeah. and, and probably caffeine's a vital. I work shifts. Sometimes I have to be at work till midnight. I'll drink three or four coffees that day. It's, yeah, no, it's, that's, it's that is really yeah. tough to balance. And, that, and I'm always the first to admit when I was wrong. Like about two years ago, Curtis was like, you don't look as healthy, like losing weight. 
And I was getting up at like five o'clock, training, trying to beat the day, all of those mm. things, which I see the value in. But because I was also working late and you know, I had kids, I was like, I was. Basically... That's a consumer element. That people are selling that five a.m. routine, aren't they? Yeah. Books and things, and you think, oh, it's brilliant. But you think, what time? You know, I get to sleep sometimes at two, so I have to try and sleep to nine because oh, that's absolutely. seven hours. Yeah, exactly. And my wife now says, and difficult when Zoe was a baby, but she'll say to me, like, you stay in bed because he's tempted because you hear everyone else getting up at yeah, seven you to get be up. A part of it, but yeah, totally agree. And so Kirsty actually said to me, "You're not getting enough sleep." And then I listened to the Matthew Walker podcast. Yeah, and obviously everyone then is like, "It's someone else's idea, not your wife's." So you're like. <laughs> Oh, that's a good idea and now I get like between seven I was getting like five and a half and now I get like seven yeah and I do feel better and I am more mentally stable and I and we don't take the phone in the bedroom we never have and mm. I don't drink caffeine so <clears throat> yeah somebody might say what's your health tip it's like use natural skincare but actually if you're asking me what the health tip for the average person to look at would be sleep would be a, a and it's what you do impact. building up to sleep that's key in terms yeah. of devices yeah. and caffeine whatever whatever yeah. it might be and just stimulation i suppose isn't it yeah so they talk about sleep pressure so basically the pressure to go to sleep you know builds up and the trouble is if you have caffeine mm. or you watch a phone you're basically pushing that off your mm. body wants to go to sleep but you need an hour or so to a, you're distracting yourself. slide down into yeah. sleep whereas if you sort of suddenly switch, switch off, off and try and jump into bed you're just lying there with your head heads bouncing exactly and and also that idea that sleep must be important because you wouldn't in nature, going back to hunter gatherers, you wouldn't go to sleep for eight <laughs> or ten hours no. and be under threat of anyone attacking you, predator or otherwise, if it wasn't really important. Yeah. So it must be important. We just, they haven't known and they still think they would admit, they don't know 100% how it works, how it's so important. Mm. They just know it is and they know from a professional athlete point of view, people that you know, have poor sleep and you don't regiment it don't develop physically or, or mentally and so Federer's yeah. nine hours isn't he I don't know how he's done that he's got two sets of twins but presumably it's, as a nanny it's a bit of help from what I hear I know someone that's actually stayed at his house really and uh, yeah there's there's more than one nanny. is he in a separate separate corner well, of the building, I, but again it? like you've got a team around you that recognises yeah. that what he's trying to achieve requires certain things but yeah sleep would be the thing that I would totally off topic of what we do that's what I said at the very in the middle like I'm not I don't know, I just don't feel competitive if there's a brand or someone talking something that makes sense. Well, I think it makes you more, more credible. I think it's a long burn, isn't it, for you? Yeah. If, you if you're credible over a long period of time, people learn to trust you. It may not be sensational eye candy no. that, that grabs definitely. you. I'm definitely not on that. I mean, but, you know, but I think it is that that's where we live in this world of attention economy. Everyone's trying to grab you with yeah. a slogan or a you know, controversial headline or whatever it is. But I think if you're, if you're sincere like that and say, no, this is a small part of it, but actually a fundamental thing is, yeah. is sleep. And I guess everyone's in that. You like say, that is a foundation that people seem to be saying and we need to have rest. And for some reason... We're not having it time is but I know you've got to get down to Bath right. on that. But what do you think the the with the hunter gatherers? What would they do? Would some people be early sleepers, late sleepers to cover the the cave? The general consensus is they that like they went to sleep with the light, uh, and, it, and because we so evolved, no one stood guard. I, I'm not sure, but because we evolved in this again, I'm not being controversial, and, and there are theories alternative to this. But the general consensus is we evolved in Africa. Yeah. Well, they they don't have as big a spread of time. Ah, uh, consistency near the equator, yeah. Yeah, because you're near the equator. So you would have consistently gone to bed when the sun went down and got up when the light got up. Yeah, because that's... in England in December, you're like, you're in bed for, yeah, you know, you'd be in bed for 18 time. hours or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they didn't, and they didn't have electricity. So they, apart from fire, they didn't have light that was consistent during the night. They didn't have that um, pollution, light pollution. So like ah. sleep, it, yeah, again, like sleeping in the dark is another great tip. Like yeah. getting blackout blinds. You know, it being properly dark, it being cold. Especially if you're doing shifts. The other thing yeah. that shifts your circadian rhythm towards sleep, and again, all I'm doing is 
repeating stuff I've learned, but is as as it gets cold, your body triggers mm. that effect of getting sleep. So like hot baths for children, I never really realised, sounds counterintuitive, but hot baths work for children because mm. by you do essentially heat them up on the outside, but then when they get out, their core, the differential between the core temperature and the outside feels cold. Their heat radiates off their skin and then yeah, they start to get cool. Yeah. And then it triggers that sleep. And so that's why like you shouldn't sleep under heavy duvets or whatever you should try and, mm. and Rich Roll who's a podcast you've I've, probably listened to I've, I've not listened to I've seen some of his bizarrely I should listen to it because this is probably, probably distraction scrolling yeah. on Instagram I've seen him and stuff but I should listen to the full the full yeah. conversation so he sleeps in a tent outside his house does he? which is yeah again everyone say extreme but like he's just trying to like live what his version of his best life is so presumably he hasn't got babies in the house with his wife and he's staying <laughs> out there in the tent maybe he has and that's why he sleeps yeah. he's never asleep <laughs> So uh, yeah, so we, yeah, it was just we we are as much as we don't like to admit it, still the remnants of you know millions of years worth of evolution. And while we all think the period we live in is the most significant human history in terms of evolution, it's yeah, there's this, you know, the idea of it being like a minute before midnight or whatever. Well, it's how we react to stress is very similar to how they would react to a lion, but you wouldn't yeah. get a lion coming around the cave every two minutes, would you? Whereas we have mobile phones that buzz every two minutes. Exactly. So. And sleep, disrupting sleep, I think, is one of the things that you know, we'll recognise over time is, is not good. So mm. It's my biggest challenge, definitely. I've done shift work for 20 years, yes. and I think I've not been a good... Sh- and I always thought to my wife, um, Carla, I said to her, you know, I, I always thought I was going to be good at this because I can pump adrenaline, because I yeah. can get through, I can you go nights without sleep and all that sort of can stuff. Can you nap for like 20 minutes? Yeah, 20 better. minutes, 20 minutes, yeah, feel yeah. better. But I think actually the people now I know who work better at Sky Sports and elsewhere... Is there people who can just go, I'm going to go to sleep now for eight hours, nine hours. They can go to sleep at eight for an early shift, get up at four and yeah. do it. Whereas I would be like, just when I was doing earlies, it was just like, still go to sleep at 11 and just doing five hours yeah. but over a period of time. That's difficult. Late shifts. Oh, I'll just get up anyway when everyone else is getting up. But yeah, I've been in bed three hours, later than everyone, three hours later than everyone else. So that, so for my wife, she can, you know, Carly, you met her, she can yeah. sleep on the sort of um, drop of a dime and my daughter, unfortunately, is more like me for, for Carla's sake because she was up till 10 last night and once she gets out of a, a rhythm, she's... Uh, We've she, got one of each child. One yeah. is like me who sleeps anywhere in time. The other one's like, Kirsty doesn't want to miss out. So it's always like... Yeah. But even he, you know, like when he's asleep, he sleeps well. Yeah. So like they, you wake up fresh. And I think that's a big part of everything is how you start the day. And I, going back to that, yes, I get getting up at five o'clock and I've tried it and you beat the day and that's works for some people. But more than anything, like just wake up feeling ready mm. for the day, right? And if you've slept poorly and you wake up feeling tired, your first interaction with the next human will be grumpy. Yeah. And that sets the tone for the rest of the day. And I find those two exacting morning routines as well. A, you, you carry a little bit of stress overnight, think about all the things you've got to do in the morning before yeah. you start your work. Like, I've got to do this workout, I've got to do this meditation, I've got to do that. Yeah. And you think, actually, I just need to get up and feel good. be yeah, relaxed. <laughs> yeah, and feel refreshed. I mean, yeah. that's what sleep is for, to physically and mentally refresh you. So if your sleep isn't doing that, then it's madness. Yeah. Right. And then you're on the back foot for the rest of the day. Hey, so. how can we follow you, Proverb and you uh, personally? At Proverb Skin on all channels, Instagram, TikTok, um, www.proverbskin.com. Um, yeah, it's just, it's as you said, it's a journey for us. It's not something that is like a five-year plan. It's like we're mm. trying to exit a business. We're just generally trying to offer an alternative to the way people make products in both the ingredients and the packaging. And... I think the last couple of years and the stresses have mm. made me realise, you know, that what we do has value. Because yeah. I think one of my personal challenges has been like, is it a big enough thing? Is it having a big enough impact? And I, I actually feel 
really proud of what we do with the small team that we do because even if it shifts one person's behavior or a Unilever's behavior towards doing things you know, better for the planet and, and the people then 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 we've had our we've had our moment and the financial reward for that is irrelevant it's mm. just it's just do we and your kids are watching as well and they'll impact other people in their lives as yeah. well yeah do we you know, do we are we doing something that we're proud of doing every day yes and yeah feel very privileged that, that I can say that so I had a career playing rugby where I got to do that for myself and that was truly a, an amazing mm. experience but it was for me mm. and I feel like now this is much more for the rest of the people and as you say I get to spend time with the family because we get to be flexible around our working and and the way we fit it all together. So, yeah, not that working with your wife and having your own business. <laughs> well, we tried to, but my life. wife's told me we've done projects together. She doesn't want to work with me full time, which is fair enough. She's no. an introvert and I'm an extrovert. So it's a, it's a challenge no. to talk, talk her ears off, which I think she finds uh, so, um, a little bit exhausting after a while. But it's a, it's a, it's a, going back to the whole thing, it's a, for us, it's the right balance. And if anyone out there is considering their well-being, think a little bit about balance. Hmm. Yeah. Trying, trying, to, trying to do too many things and be good at too many things is... Is, it's the very few people that can do that yeah and even they burn out or have you know something driving them that you know I had someone on the guest re- podcast recently who was saying that he was getting up at three in the morning had two young kids he'd come back from working in the states where he's a director of coaching at football club and recently got diagnosed with a sort of partial paralysis condition because i was concerned actually that he said he was getting up at three to do extra work and things yeah. like that and i just just don't know it's, you don't it's know not what sustainable the are, but, uh, yeah you yeah. don't know i don't know the diagnosis but or anything getting enough sleep and Focusing on it, yeah, a little bit of balance, I think, will be a lot easier than trying to, you know, conquer the world in one day. Yeah. Well, Luke Sheriff, thank you very much. Really appreciate your time. And I know you've, you've got to get to Bath, but it's powerful. I think it's powerful what you're doing. And I think your candor around, you know, we're doing something that's, that's complementary for a healthy lifestyle, but you say the foundations are sleep and, and other things. It's a good message. And I was, like for the last couple of years, I look around and I think a lot of our issues in, in life have been intensified look at the nhs what's happening in this country obesity type 2 diabetes anyone that's out there spreading healthy well-being messages is, is powerful you're doing it in a, a very honest way so thank you well it's a pleasure to hang out with such a professional <laughs> you know, well, glad t- we got it done i told carly you, met, you mentioned <laughs> she's a professional on the way in thank you cheers Really enjoyed that conversation with Luke. Hope you did too. Please let me know. Rate the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you're listening to. You can email hello at drapermedia.co.uk with your reaction, any comments, also constructive criticism on those platforms, wherever you may be listening to this. I think it's 12 available platforms will be digested, but probably best to email actually if you want to uh, say something in depth. But thank you for Luke. Really enjoyed that and wonderful journey from rugby through to Proverbs Skin and his wife Kirsty as well along the ride I think bringing Luke on board it sounds like and it's wonderful that's blossoming between them and actually just returned from Cowley Manor where I took my daughter for a swim outside of Cheltenham and actually saw Proverbs skin uh, articles on the counter when I came in so it's really cool to get that experience after speaking to Luke and really great for him to stop by in the house and do it in person so hope you enjoyed that thank you for listening to it appreciate it thank you to the sponsors Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV, specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations. Check out Bangalore Cheltenham online, BNO underscore Cheltenham. And if you are looking to optimize your immunity, want to try Cytoplan supplements, could be bespoke specific supplements, vitamin D3, etc. maybe popular going into winter or one of the multivitamins, head to cytoplan.co.uk, C-Y-T-O-P-L-A-N.co.uk 
The discount code at checkout is my last name, Draper, D-R-A-P-E-R, all capital letters, the numbers one, zero, and the capital letter R. And don't forget, if you want to have the free mentoring session with Anthony Asprey of the Holman Academy, the link is in the show notes. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you have a great week. Goodbye for now. Thank you.